With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie. Welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. Today is Wednesday, March 27, 2019. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. In just a couple of seconds, I'll be joined by my talented co-host, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley. Thanks for joining us for the next hour to talk to today's news, politics, and pop culture. We hope you'll give us a call and join the conversation, 347-989-0126. You got about 55 minutes to call, guys, 347-989-0126. Let's get the show started. How's it going, Craig? I am chilling like Bob motherfucking Dylan. Oh, dropping an F-bomb right at the beginning of the show. Sorry there about that. There you go. Starting it off. Do I, got a, do I got an echo again today? No, it's actually not gone today. It, there is no echo today. Cool. Or it is, no. it's still here. I don't hear it. No. Okay, cool. No, not like I did yesterday. It seems clear. Yeah, that's. Chris That's three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Come on, call us. There you go. How's it going? What's happening over in Chicago land? Um just uh uh Katie's got me um moving on a, a daily basis. Uh I am constantly I, I, I should just start my own moving company. Um I'm getting <laughs> really really good at this so um you know as far as consolidating and then packing and then uh playing the game of tetris inside storage units and inside vans and oh dude i'm getting really really good at this i should just hire hire a couple of dudes and and start doing this for a living there you go i i am uh, i think that's one of my superpowers as well i could get more into a car than any five people i've moved enough over my life i've moved i think my last count was like 19 moves um so i've moved quite a bit i've got it down to a science so you're right it is a kind of a tetris what goes where to where but it's kind oh, of fun absolutely. for me i enjoy it enjoy it. you enjoy it really really you enjoy it scott come over here well, please. i don't enjoy over I, I need your help enjoy, man if you if enjoy you enjoy the game moving of seeing how much i can fit into my car i don't enjoy the actual <laughs> okay. moving part yeah okay all right <laughs> I hate stairs. I hate them. Oh, see, I, yeah, I've always, I've purposely tried to avoid stairs whenever possible. I've only lived, I think, in only one place I've ever had to walk upstairs. I've had, stayed in some couple stories, but they either had elevators or I stayed on the bottom floor. So 
I was good to go. So what's up? What? Well, a um, bunch of stuff we didn't get to yesterday I wanted to jump back into today. Um, we had people okay. talk about in social media afterwards about the uh, – the health care that he blew up a little bit yesterday, about the uh, Green New Deal vote they took in the Senate yesterday. Um, we I've got all sorts of stuff we can talk about. Boeing today, we, on today we got Boeing to talk about. They're trying to get their planes up in the air. Uh, so pick a topic, any topic. We'll jump in wherever you want. I uh, just saw AOC on, um, on Seth Meyers, I believe. Um, and that's part of the whole green new deal thing that she proposed. Um, uh, I, 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 I kind of, uh, agree with, um, her on this. Um, uh, I know a lot of people are going against her. I, I, I happen to think that it's like all these 80 year old white guys that are looking at this hot little Latina and she's like 29 and they're like, yeah, that's, that's where I want to be <laughs> instead of, yeah. And no, I think that's really what's going on. And of course the majority of those old white guys are Christians. So they're going to be going, Oh no, that's a sin. And you know, they're, they're all that stuff is, is, is thrown into it. And I think that's really why they're there. And I hope I didn't like, like offend um, Katie on that. I, you know, I, you know, AOC, you know, uh, obviously she, she's pretty and she's, you know, freaking uh, a hot little Latina. And I, and I think that's why they, they, I, I really do think that's why they are against her. Like they're just embarrassed to say, you know, that, that, yeah, she's, she's good looking. And, and actually beyond that, she's super freaking smart. That, that actually blows my mind. I, I'm like, I mean, she's, she's really freaking smart. I think she's smarter than me. So I, I and I've been tested. I got a genius IQ. So I, I I'm just, I, I, I'm watching her on this interview and uh, dude, she's won like science awards and stuff in high school and in college and, and just, uh, you know, a super intelligent woman right there. And I think that's very, very intimidating for these yeah, old she's got white the bona fides guys to back it up. And I think that is very intimidating to him. It's not like, yeah, I, I think the combination of what she is and also being young that it, she, you know, she's just intimidating as hell. And, and these old white guys are like, no, this is the way we've been doing it forever. We're going to show you how we do this uh, politics thing. So, you know, and I, and I think, no, you're not going to show them. You're going to show them what the mistakes are and they're going to do what they've been doing, which is take pictures and show you guys what the hell is actually going on in, in the halls of Congress. It, one of those things is that they hire the lobbyists in order to get in on the meetings first. They hire homeless people and have them sit in the halls of Congress in order to get in on all of the meetings first. They sit there in line. The homeless people sit there in line for the lobbyists so that the lobbyists can just cut in line and get in there first. Um, that's not we the people. 
That is not we the people, okay? We the people need to be represented in those meetings and in all of we're, we're supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be the lobbyists. It's, it's, it's first come, first serve is, is what that's supposed to be. So the lobbyists are actually paying people. And AOC took a picture of this and, and threw it on. And they showed it on Seth Meyers as well um, of homeless people sitting in a row waiting for the lobbyists to just jump in there and get in line first and, and go ahead and get into the meeting first. That's that's. Um, I don't know what that is. That's got to be illegal, right? I mean, they are absolutely stopping us, me, from just walking in there and getting a place in line. Yeah, it's it's it was definitely shocking to learn. I mean, that was news last month when that was happening, but um, it was it really wasn't brought yeah, to well, light. Yeah, that's why CNN reported on it um, back in 2009, CNN poured on it. That they were saying that stuff like that is going on in the halls of Congress, which, yeah, I I know it's been going on for a long time, but these are the things that all of the new people that are involved in politics, all of the new people who just got voted in are all looking at and going, what? Exactly. (laughs) No, this is not going to happen any longer. So they're in there yeah, to, to implement those small changes, and that's what's happening. Yeah, this freshman Democratic Congress in there are, are really shaking things up. They don't understand what it's like. It's like, why aren't they falling in line with the way it always goes? And I think another thing they're scared about is they thought they had the Twitter-in-chief with Trump, and she knows how to tweet just as impactfully as he does i think that scares the hell out of him oh no dude she's super intelligent yeah Yeah, she's super intelligent and she's uh, you know locked into that they the millennials and and generation z both have uh uh, some type of chip installed when it comes to um uh (laughs) you know all of this social media I, i don't know if it's an actual chip there's another conspiracy theory but they just seem to have been born with smartphones in their hands and computers okay. in their hands. So that's what they use from the beginning. So they can manipulate them much easier than, you know, someone who's older, obviously. Right. But they haven't really had that in Congress. I mean, Trump was the one that was really taking advantage of that. And no one else has used it that effectively before until she came along and now it's like, oh, okay. Now we have someone that actually knows how to use it. He's not. He's not him. effective. He's not really effective at it. If you look at his tweets, you'll see the likes and the retweets, and it's a really no, low. It's actually a really, really low number. A really extremely low number. You're talking thirty thousand, right? You're not talking millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of freaking retweets and likes that's not happening you know thousands of people dude i i I know celebrities that can freaking get fifty thousand retweets in a half a second dude nick mariko just got on his youtube video that uh american idol just released and and that's for an american idol audition and and that's nick mariko who is an up-and-coming freaking idol dude i mean he's an absolute he's already an american idol i already i already i I know this kid i've known him for a minute he's he's got like as far as artistic integrity the dude is the shit and i i i i'm I'm looking at at his the video 
his video's gotten a, a million six or something stupid as far as views. I mean, just craziness as far as views. And then likes, he gets more likes than, like I just said, 45 gets. He got like 16,000. He's now at like 25,000 likes on this stuff. Even even us, even Daylight Sucks, even me, I've gotten 25,000 views on, on some of my videos when I, when I release them and I boost them. I can get more. That's me. Ooh, who the hell am I? So, you know, for this guy to be like, or for us to actually think that he's successful at his tweeting, he can't spell. The dude is a freaking idiot. Just put right, the microphone the button. Is. Just it push the microphone the button and talk it. into it. It'll spell for you. Hamburger. The, the, Dude, what I love problem, is, is... I'm sorry, go ahead. The problem is, though, that the media retweets it, and the media has the bigger reach than he does. And oh, which media? Fox? trouble with a lot of this stuff is our mainstream media and regular media and every media is taking this stuff, is taking these tweets that, like you said, really don't have much impact and giving it this voice. And I think that's been part of the problem with all this yeah. nonstop Trump coverage. No, I, I see, I, I see Fox, I see Fox doing that. Excuse well, me. No. I see Fox, Fox doing that, but I, I, I don't see like, I, I, I see, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do see it on other, other networks too. Um, and other news shows, but I, I think a lot of people or a lot of newscasts that, that are, that are more uh, just not Democrat, but progressive um, that are more just looking to, you know, say the news. Um, They don't really concentrate on it. Like it'll be a story. It won't be a half hour worth of him. It's a story. He said this or he did that. And then they go on to the local news and then they go on to the other news or the national news. They'll go on to it. So and that's what I see other medias. uh, I mean, other news like CBS. I see them doing that. Um, They don't fully concentrate on what he's tweeting. And and I see other networks doing that, too. That's why I'm saying you got to go. You got to go and look through a variety of different networks and 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 stations and media outlets in order to actually get the news, in order to actually understand somewhat of what's happening. Uh, unlike the Ju- Jussie Smollett case right now, I, dude, nobody knows what's happening. None of the media, everybody's confused. It's like, what right. happened? What, I, okay, all charges were dropped, but the mayor still feels he's guilty, and so does the police superintendent. Okay, so what, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> I, you know, nobody, everybody's really confused on what happened. And, and I, you know, I, I'm sure we'll never, we'll never know. Um, it probably had something to do with the producers of empire and it probably had something to do with them. It, they, they pay an immense amount of taxes already in the city of Chicago because they film a lot of stuff here, uh, but they they it probably had something to do with you know we're sorry and here's some money i you know that that stuff happens all the time and we're never going to know we're never going to know what it is that or who said what to who and why the decisions were made the way they were made right and that's just getting it's gotten entirely out of hand i mean i guess today the police were so mad they were releasing transcripts and and evidence 
into the public sphere because they wanted they they wanted to keep trying this place and they got stopped by a judge not too long ago because they were throwing all sorts of uh of their evidence into it even though this whole thing was that the judge stopped it and sealed everything so we're never going to know because the judge sealed everything because all this stuff from the police was starting to come out and the judge said nope that's not what this is all about and sealed it all up I, I'm not sure what the distraction is, because uh, once again, it feels to me like a distraction. Anytime we're we're not sure about what's going on, it seems very distracting. Um, and and like one of the things I know that uh, the the mayoral race coming up here for between uh, God, I can't think of her name. It's like Periwinkle and and Lightfoot is the name of the other. I, it, these cartoon characters drive me up a wall, dude. <laughs> All these people, where did they come from? What are these names? Oh, my God. So, anyway, it was like Periwinkle and Lightfoot, and Periwinkle uh, dropped 25 friggin' points last week and, and took her commercials off the air, and she's, like, no longer campaigning. Like, 25 points? Oh, my God, you cannot catch up. It's impossible. That is impossible to catch up 25 points. Um, so uh, it, and Lightfoot is now the one that is out in front of everybody. That's that's all we're seeing is like Lightfoot this and Lightfoot that here in Chicago. And and I, I'm not sure if that doesn't have something to do with it as well. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't know what what's going on there. I, I do sense, uh, you know, uh, some not necessarily illegalities, but things that just need to be taken care of. And they kind of needed to just go away. So and he's been suspended, as far as I understand, from from Empire. I think they're that, you know, like the like the judge, I mean, like the prosecutor said um, that the the things that have already happened to him are enough for him lying right yeah it's 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 gone full circle the, the conspiracy theories are saying that obama michelle obama and the obamas knew the girl who's the main um state attorney in the case but of course she recused herself already because she knew the sister yeah, she recused molest. herself She's weeks ago herself. yeah yeah, yeah that was like before. that was like a month two months ago whatever and gave Long it time to the FBI. It's not like she just didn't recuse. She also sent it over to the FBI. So it's like it's right. trying to bring that into it. It's like whatever. But we have to be able to it's it's gotta be both sides. We always try to look at both sides of the issues on this show here too. And it's like the same thing. We have Trump that was exonerated from Mueller for the collusion part. We still and don't we know. Nobody get... nobody has read we don't know. Nobody has read well, that except for Barr. No, I think for the collusion part we know. For obstruction well, exclusion, so there is no collusion. I've been trying to say this forever. Dude, he was married to Ivana. That is when they colluded. It's done. It was paid for a long, long time ago. Long time ago. Dude, during the Gorbachev era, that shit was paid for. There is no way you will ever nail any member of his family for colluding. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, but that's what the whole investigation was supposed to be about, though. And no, it's, it's got other, it's got other. There's yeah. other criminal, there's other criminal activities there. There's, a, there's right. still other criminal and fraudulent activities, and, and those will all come out. It's, it, it, you know, Barr only told certain things, and, and once again, it's his interpretation. I, I. 
uh, this guy tried to sell Bigfoot to people. All right. He tried to sell Sasquatch to people. That was his job in the past. Look up his job descriptions in the past. What else did he try to sell to people? A toilet, a toilet, a toilet. I'm pretty sure it was a friggin' toilet that this guy was selling before he became attorney general. So you can't trust this guy. Not at all about anything that he says or does. So his opinion right now means nothing, absolutely nothing to me. As soon as the report comes out and we're all able to read it, then we'll all understand, won't we? Agreed. But I think we have to let some, I think we can't totally discount everything. I think we can discount a lot of it, but I think we can't just keep hitting the dead horse here. We need to move on to other things. Yeah, no, no, Um, there's no collusion. Like I said, that collusion got paid for a long time ago. Ivana, much? I mean, that's not an American, that's not a United States name. All right. It's not. It's Russian. So right there. And that was his first marriage. That's where the collusion went down, guys. Collusion, you know, marriage is a convenience. Happen all the time. Arranged marriages. All that is business. It's exactly what went down. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with the presidency, though. So. Oh, no, absolutely nothing to do with the presidency. No, nothing. And so you can't nail him. You can't nail him on that. That it had nothing to do with him, and it had nothing to do with his family when he was president. Right. It had everything to do with them, you know, a long time ago. So you had to nail him a long time ago. You can't do it now. <laughs> exactly. All right. What else do I want to go on to here? Um, what time is it? Yeah. Just the last thing. Back to the Green New Deal. Before we jump on that, I was just. That whole vote yesterday, you got to give McConnell credit. That guy's a master of manipulating that Senate. The turtle? Um, the tortoise? The turtle. The tortoise, yeah. The tortoise? Um, that dude, please, go away. Just go away. All uh, these old people are so concreted in their ways. Just just go away. Please, just go away. You, you no longer have the thought process of the United States of America. Go away. He has been a master of his job. Retire. We need to get rid of that. Exactly. Well, hopefully he's having a tough re-election this year. I'm hoping he's going to get voted out this year. He doesn't get to retire. I'd rather see him get voted out than retire personally, but we'll see what happens in the next election for that. Just go sit on your $40 million yacht in the middle of the ocean that you just polluted. Go in the the middle of the Gulf of Mexico where all these storms are starting for all of Florida and all of the southeast where it's all being dragged from because of the oil spill. I hate when they call it a spill. Are you guys serious? You destroyed the Gulf of Mexico. You destroyed all of the reefs. All of the reefs down there now are bleached because of the oil that blew out of the ground because you guys couldn't cap it. And it's still leaking now. And all of our storms, everything's dead in there. It's really warm water at this point. It's got it's oil slick and and we've got red tide showing up on Florida beaches. We've got all of that stuff because of the oil. And now we've got really vicious storms that are being fed by really warm waters. It, it, you guys, man, just go out. And, Mitch, please just go out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Just just sit above that oil disaster that you caused in your yacht, please. And retire. Get out of the way already. From I feel your like lips, he's driving my friend, we can only hope. Or something. Say what? 
<laughs> from your left. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm on the road right now, and, he, and Mitch McConnell is driving in front of me. Get out of the way, <laughs> old man. Just get out of the way. You are in the wrong lane. Yeah, we need, we need to get uh, some new blood in Senate, too. I love having the new blood in the House. We need to get some new blood in that Senate, too. Half our senators are ready to keel over any day now. It would be nice to uh, see a whole new crop of them on both sides of the aisle, to be honest with you. Um, on all I sides of it. Talk- there's supposed to be some independence, and there's supposed to be some Green Party, and they're supposed you're supposed to have the opportunity here. It's not supposed to be two parties. You're supposed to have an opportunity in the United States. And the way it's designed, everyone should have that opportunity. I like Angus King. He's the only one that I think is a true independent so far. I like listening to what he has to say. He seems independent. Um, And he's the only one that really is, that does what he says. Sanders, like I said, I get upset with Sanders because he goes to what's convenient. The run for presidency for Democrat, but he won't run for independent um, because he knows he can't get the votes that way. So it's yeah, he's going to lose, if, and he's going to take votes else. away from whoever's the, in the Democratic Party. So he has to run as a Democrat. Right. So I don't, uh, I don't like that kind of stuff. If you want to be independent, be an independent person. I like that. I like, uh, and I, and I. It's agree just with tough you. in this in this climate, the way and the way it's designed, the way the way it's set up right sure. now not designed, but the way it's set up is you've got a, a, a tremendous push from a foreign entity to make sure that these, these ideals, uh, I can't call them values because <laughs> from what I can tell, dude, I, none of the side, none of that side has any freaking values. They don't have any values for life even. So their own, but no one else's. Um, caging babies much. So I would really, I, man, all of this stuff just pisses me off. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, all this stuff just Rand pisses Paul's me the hell off. I mean, Rand Paul isn't, but what is he supposed to be? What's that called? A, uh, God, I'm losing my words all of a sudden. But uh, what what type of uh, legislators, Rand Paul. I mean, he goes to this is Republican, but he's uh, God. I can't think of the word. What am I trying to think of here? I don't uh, libertarian. Uh, I like no, libertarian. libertarian. He's I not a libertarian. I, I more libertarians, isn't that it? Libertarianism. Yeah. yeah, but he's not a libertarian. Rand Paul. Well, Rand? He, he, he's claimed to be. Wow, I heard a massive echo. <laughs> oh, and yeah, oh, he's claiming to be. Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, he claims no. to be. No, he's too but conservative to be is really libertarian. really the one true rule to keep governments out of bedrooms and stupid things like that, but get it to work, the social programs, and to work what needs to be done. I mean, libertarian is actually a strong way to go. But Dude, there's a, there's a lot happen. of things. There's a lot of things that we can solve as an individual. Uh, we don't, you know, uh, like the homeless dude that walked up to me yesterday and that I gave a whole bunch of clothes to. Uh, I just I didn't have a bag for him. So I wish I would have brought everything in a bag. Um, but uh, it, he mainly asked for a bus pass. Um, I, I, I would go a step further if I were mayor, say um, I would uh, tag certain trains as a homeless train 
I would tag certain buses as homeless buses so that you know if you're a paying customer that if you get on that bus or you get on that train, most likely you are going to be sitting in piss, smelling like piss. You're going to be dealing with homelessness. So you, you, you have to know that. So don't get on that train, but we should designate actual trains and actual buses for the homeless so that we don't have to worry about it and they don't have to worry about offending people's delicate sensibilities by having to sit next to them when they're a paying customer. So, you know, let's, let's really figure this out. We don't have to give them bus passes. You just have to create a bus that says homeless on it and the homeless get into it and travel wherever they need to go in the city. Because he had to go from one side of the city to the other, which is like five miles. And it may not seem right. like much. It, you know, that five miles may not seem like much. You're talking downtown Chicago five miles, dude. That's a long ass way. That's a long way when you're walking it or when you are, even if you're in traffic. It, dude, it's a long way. It takes a long time to go five miles downtown Chicago. So... Right. And those are the ideas that we need to have that we talked about way back when, when David was on. If people don't think outside the box with those kind of ideas, we can solve a lot of the problems with this. We had a huge, we had a big tax for our WRTA, our our rapid transit system here. And they were upset that it was going for the entire countywide tax uh, when it only runs in in certain cities and, and across a couple of counties. But it's like, if you have ideas like that, you, you should be more than willing to pay for that kind of a system where you're helping other people out and you're keeping the bus lines full and it's, it's keeping them going with the tax. Yeah. The system already, the system already exists. And, and currently from, from what I, from what I can see, and, and I wrote that in altered state of the union that, that old people are a drain on the system. Young people are a drain on the system. Uh, um, homeless people are a drain on the system. The mentally ill are a drain on the system. So if you figure out a way to make sure that all of these drains on the system aren't draining the system and they're working within the system, then they won't be drains on the system. But it's up to those uh, those people, I'm like including myself on this when I'm not, all I do is come up with innovations in design. That's all I'm doing. Um, so when, when you just innovate, when you turn and do something like this is the homeless bus, this is, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a school out here. I forgot what it was called. But I, I see their buses all over the place. And they literally go, uh, Ray Graham, I, I don't know what the hell it's called. Anyway, uh, they're, they're for the mentally ill or the disabled. And they'll drive around and pick you up and take you to wherever it is you need to go. So that right. it's the same thing. And then therefore, they're no longer draining the system. They're not actually a, like a part of that system. I don't, I don't mean to, to not include them. What I want to do is fully include them and have their own space in that system. So that the other people, like I said, with the delicate sensibilities who have paid a dollar to take this bus ride, um, you know, don't have to sit next to a person that they may feel uncomfortable sitting next to. I wouldn't. I'd be hopping on the homeless bus. I think it'd be fun. 
So, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but that's, that's me and that's them. You know, it's not, there are people out there that feel that way and, and they don't want to be sitting next to someone who's mentally ill or disabled or homeless, or they don't want to be affiliated at all. And so this way, don't get on the homeless bus. Don't get on the homeless train. Well, there's so many, like I said, there's so many out of, out of the box ideas you can think of. How many churches have their own bus? They only use on Sundays. And these guys are supposed to be helping the poor and the needy where they could, instead of they're sending billions of money to spend people spreading their gospel to Mexico, How are you Puerto helping Rico, the poor and the needy, needy when you're buying a new $20 million jet? And his reason exactly. behind that, Olstein's, Olstein's reason behind that was he needed a $20 million jet so that he could get faster around the world in order to spread the, um, the word of Christ. Uh, right. Wait, 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 wait. So that means you're making less stops because you have a bigger gas tank. Is that what's going on there? So how how is making less stops spreading the word of Christ? I, I'm wondering about that. I, I got a lot of questions when it comes to Christ because you guys have not been saying, I, dude. I must have read a different book. I've read the Bible. I, I must have read a different book because you guys are not following his word. All right. Well, that's a good place to go to a break there. We're halfway into it. A good place? it. We what are you going to play? Um, I think we're going to play a little Femme Fatale by Preston Wiggins. I, I like, since we're talking about um, beauties and our uh, or Cortez and your Katie Barberi, we'll play a little Femme Fatale on here. When we come back, we have lots. Of we really got to learn how to. Here. We really got to learn how to pronounce her name. Okay, look, we're just being gringos. We're just being really AOC, stupid gringos AOC, about this. AOC. It's 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 Alexandria it's, or AOC. That's Alexandria, uh, uh, Ocasio <laughs> Cortez, right? Ocasio Cortez, because it, it's Ocasio the full Cortez. name. That's her full last name. So I think it's Ocasio Cortez. Um, so yeah, in, in order to not be disrespectful to her, uh, we really all need to learn how to pronounce her name because that's her go. name. We should just right, start butchering the hell out of, let's butcher the hell out of everybody else's names. Three, four, seven, nine, eight, nine, zero, one, two, six. We're going to talk about healthcare. We're talking about Betsy DeVos and the special Olympics. We have lots of stuff on the other side. Give us a call. We'll be back in about three minutes.
everybody. We are back. That is Preston Wiggins. Guys, give us a call, 347-989-0126. Let us know what's on your mind, 347-989-0126. I want to go into this Betsy DeVos thing. Um, the new Alejandra, Alejandra by, uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez is how we pronounce her name. Let's stop butchering her name. I think oh, it's, it's extra, not Alexandra. Al, Al, Alejandra, Alejandra. It would be it would be Alexandra, right? But you know, I'm Alexandra, trying to yeah. not be a gringo. So, um, Alejandra Ocasio Cortez is how we pronounce her name. There you go, Representative Ocasio Cortez. Cortez. There you go. Anyway, all right, let's get into this because uh, we have this new budget by Trump that's. We already talked about a couple of weeks they're going to be cutting Medicaid and Medicare by billions of dollars. But one of the things that came to light yesterday in a uh, – I thought he wasn't going to touch our Medicare. Yeah, exactly, right? I, I, no, well, that was a campaign besides, That was a campaign promise. He wasn't going to touch right. Medicare. So well, is that Medicare, a lie? We find out yesterday uh, at a House subcommittee, it's reviewing the department's budget for the upcoming fiscal year. Um, Betsy DeVos is letting us know that we're going to be losing $18 million in cuts to the Special Olympics, which is... Yeah, there's no more Special Olympics. More Special Olympics. So I don't get to be a judge. I don't get to be a celebrity judge at the Special Olympics anymore. Uh, Dude, what the hell is she doing being secretary of anything? She has no business. That was the whole point. I don't know. The only reason she got confirmed is because of the 51 majority. She didn't have 60 people to confirm anymore which is the Democrats' fault. But, yeah, she has no business. She has never stepped foot in a public school before getting this. She's, only, she's always advocated for private schools, does not even know how the education system works. And she's been um, the czar, so to speak, of public schools now for a year and a half. Thank goodness for uh, a representative by you of Wisconsin, Mark Pocan or Pocan. I don't know how he pronounces the name. But he really pressed her on these budgets. She didn't even know how many kids this would affect. Okay, $18 million. How many kids is that going to affect, Betsy DeVos? Uh, I don't know. How about 272,000 kids that count on that wow. for the Special Olympics budget? 272,000. Maybe we can find extra cages from the Homeland Security so they can do something in there. I don't know. But uh, $18 million being cut by, on this new budget for next year, along with the billion in Medicaid and Medicare. So it's just... Yeah, uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't uh, give him that um, idea as far as uh, cages for uh, the disabled. <laughs> um, this freak, uh, if he is going dictator on us, um, then uh, that's exactly what will start happening. There will be cages for all sorts of people, including people like me, because I'm an artist. I'm a dissident, right? Isn't that what artists are? Because we happen to stand up and say things that may be inappropriate at an appropriate time. So, um, yeah, with that, um, that's what dictators do. Bill Maher's been doing a dictator list for I don't know how long, a couple of months, easy on on all of the things that dictators do to become dictators 
And this guy's got a checklist of about 10 things right now that he's already done in order to become a dictator. So, yeah, Cajun people is next. That's what they did in Germany. That's what they do all over the world. Yeah, it's um, it's. I don't think we. Sorry, there will be there will be cages for there will be cages for LGBTQIA plus. There that that's right. what they do. There will be cages for Jews. There will be cages for Muslims. There will be cages for a lot of different people. Yeah, I think the whole Russian collusion thing is the worst of our problems as a country, as opposed to what could be happening if we have another four years of this. Russian so influence down. in our election is is the problem um and people believing bullshit just absolute bullshit uh that's a really big problem in at least the united states i'm pretty sure around the world too that people believing bullshit um is a is is a serious problem let's really try to think logically instead of insanely You know, if you can think logically, that means you're basing your decisions on fact. So let's keep going along those routes instead of insanity. It would help. That's for damn sure. I I really wish we would because it's just, just from the appointments we've had to deal with through this, there's been so many things that we can look at that we just need to make sure change. Um. I don't care if it's another Republican besides him, even though I don't like their policies. I I, I think anything can be. I do. I care. I care. I care if it's if it's another Republican besides him. It depends on the Republican. So far, I haven't seen anybody worth it. I haven't seen anybody who has, you know, their mind on on the United States instead of their mind on making sure that their they and their families continue to make billions of dollars eh, whatever that doesn't make Before Lindsey doesn't Graham make a hell of a lot of sense mind, to me i thought he'd be one of the better contenders they had in 2016 but he's lost his mind so it's not worth he's had his, lost his mind and had his lips surgically implanted to 45's rear end so that hasn't helped at all Ooh, ooh, it's it's very what's the name of that movie wait wait that's very gross that's a really gross image dude What's the name of that movie where they where he has human human centipede, isn't it? Isn't it human centipede where they have where they have them going from they're they're surgically attached from one end to the other and oh, and the, God, yeah it's a horror film it's a horror film that we're actually watching happen in our White House <laughs> that's, that's that's great oh my goodness it's just I'm so over the whole thing, so and we gross. have another year and a half to go. Another year and a half to go before we even find out who the next person will be. Then that's going to be the most interesting thing from the election date until he leaves office is going to be the most interesting period in our history, just to see what happens I, in that. Yeah, no, there's people, there's people that are predicting that you know he won't leave, and and the problem with that is um, he'll be forced to leave. So it's going to get really brutal. I mean, you know, different, different people are supposed to go in different agencies that we have and physically remove his ass if he won't leave. So that can get really nasty. 
It would be like the end of Scarface. I don't think he won't leave, but I think he'll do everything he can to muck up what he what time he has left in that time. I, yeah, I still don't uh, understand that. Why is it two months? Why why is it two months? In November, December, January. Why 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 is it two months? We we live in 2019, right? And at that point, it'll be 2020. Things happen in a blink now. I, I can literally go on social media and bam, something's done. So I what I can go on the internet, boom, you know, within a couple of seconds, I got something else done. What, I, what, we can't, you know, shift over the, the transition of power in, on that day? How about the 9th? How about the 10th? That's actually you know? part of the electoral college thing that's the problem now, too, because it, what you're waiting for is for all these electors to come together and do the final calculation, which is done in late December, early January. And they, it's yeah, not really an official okay. ballot until that happens. So it's another reason for the electoral college to be gone bye-bye they, uh, they implemented this- it they implemented it for a reason it's we we have to figure out how to make sure that our electoral college isn't as corrupt as it is and it it, it can be swayed and right. we well, need to make sure that years, it electoral can't be swayed for 10 years but right. all of a sudden twice in 20 years it doesn't work. That means there's a problem happening that needs to be addressed. Right. And the college doesn't work twice in 20 years. There's an issue after it worked fine for 220 for years 200, before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. It needs to be. It needs to be looked at. Something is 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 wrong in there. Something is is just not um, adding up to what we have now, where we are now. And because we've gone into the future, you know, even though it's present day, uh, we've gone into the future, you know, like you just said, 210 years or whatever. And and we need to pay attention to that because we've evolved. We have not devolved as far as civil rights are concerned, even though there's still some of us out there that think they are cavemen and that they can just run around beating up whoever they want to. Uh, but that does change because what happens is Homo sapien eventually kills Neanderthalus. That's that's the evolution. That's what happens. Right. So um, and that's why we don't see very many Neanderthals walking around here. Um, I actually, if we go through evolution, I've looked at myself and I'm more Neanderthalus than I am Homo sapien. So if you just look at yourself as an individual, you can figure out where you are as far as those, as you know, because there were a lot of, I'm sure there were a lot of attractive Neanderthals and they were smart as well. And when the Homo sapiens came in contact with them, they're like, yeah, I don't mind mating with you. That's, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, that there were some cute ones, but there were also some violent ones. And that's why the majority of the Homo sapien, I mean, of the Neanderthal skulls that we find right now are bashed in with a rock, okay? Because the majority of them were violent douchebags. So, you know, there were only a couple, like whatever my ancestry is, because if I'm alive now and well, I yeah, am they were living on Neanderthal, instinct. they were living on rational thought, they were living on instinct. They and were living on instinct. were to crush and conquer and survive. And, and survive, and especially, I mean, the the Neanderthalus was bigger, was a bigger humanoid than the than the Homo sapien, 
So which we are currently supposedly homo sapien. But I think if you look around, just just look around and I'm not being discriminatory. I'm not being racist. Look at yourself as an individual, whatever individual you are. You can place yourself, your ancestry in a lot of different time periods or one specific time period. And and for me, that's Neanderthalus. I stand at a certain height. My skull's a certain size. Uh, it's the it, it's the way my body is structured and the way I am chemically. So you know you can you can really find that in and this is science, guys. This is science. This is not you know this is stuff that we've dug up. We found it in the ground. We have studied it. We have dated it, and we've actually we actually have it physical. It's tangible in our hands. It's science. The only place that we cannot find is where the fusion happened between us and the frickin' chimpanzees. We don't know where that happened, and we are the only thing scientifically on this planet that has fused chromosomes. A frog doesn't have fused chromosomes, and nothing else has fused chromosomes. We have fused chromosomes. We're the only thing on the planet. So how that happened and where that happened, I don't know. Um, and, but we do have evolution of our bodies, of our species, of the humanoid species from Cro-Magnon on up. And if you look around us, there are different examples. If you look, if you really study people, there are different examples of each one of those currently living on the planet within our, our societies. Wow, that was an interesting rant. I'm not sure where we started with that, actually. I'd like to bring it back around. I'm sure, since I'm talking about Cro-Magnon Man, that I'm definitely talking about Orangutan Boy number 45. So I'm pretty (laughs) sure we started this conversation with uh, 45, and we're ending it with Orangutans. I think that's perfect. That is just freaking perfect. That's so funny when he got sued, when Bill Maher got sued by 45 for for saying, uh, prove to me that you're not an orangutan, that you weren't born of an orangutan. And he sued him for five million dollars. Forty five sued Bill Maher for five million dollars and lost in court because he could not prove that he was not orangutan DNA. He wouldn't let them take a DNA sample to prove <laughs> that he was not orangutan because he brought in his birth certificate. He's like, this is my birth certificate. And the judge is like, that does not prove that you're not an orangutan. So it got thrown out. The, the lawsuit got completely thrown out. He lost. And, and, but didn't owe anything to Bill Maher, which I think is interesting. I, at least an apology for suing him would be nice. Seeing as how he can't prove that he's not an orangutan, still. <laughs> to this day. Yep. Oh, my goodness. All right. We only have about seven minutes left. Uh, what? Man, wow. It's not enough time to go into healthcare. I wanted to get into healthcare today, but that, that's going to be still going it's on. a little bit because... of time. Uh, you know, he should not. Uh, they should not be. That was a campaign promise, man. You don't go after healthcare. They're just trying to make us sicker and they're just trying to poison us so that there's population control. And I'm not sure why you would want to control a population that made you rich in the first place. I'm pretty sure there's going to be members of the population that are going to get pissed off at that. Well, he's he, going after the whole thing now. He wants to get rid of the entire what's left of Obamacare, um, trying to get the courts to go along with him on that. Uh, with nothing to replace it, as before, 
the whole trouble, I mean, he, he puts it on McCain for doing the thumbs down. There was nothing to replace it with. It was supposed to be repealed and replaced. They hadn't replaced it with anything. He still doesn't have anything to replace it with. The House just passed a at least some kind of a health care bill. I haven't read the whole thing through, but at least it's a bill that gives it a chance. They're not even looking at that. They just want to um, destroy the rest of Obamacare. So it'll be interesting to see um, the, the House leaders there is expanding Obamacare, um, tweaking some of the features, but they need to at least have a plan. I, I, I think I just by calling it just by calling it Obamacare that it's that it's it's called the Affordable Care Act, and a lot of people could not afford it. Um, and he also promised that it shouldn't be called Obamacare; it's Affordable Care Act. Uh, they they a, a lot of people weren't allowed to keep their doctors, which is something that President Obama had promised when he was implementing this plan. So that's where they got pissed off. They weren't, you know, you're already suffering from whatever the hell you're suffering. You're born with this shit. So and you've you've got a doctor that you actually like, that you actually uh, that actually is working with you to try to figure out how to give you a better quality of life. And then you're no longer allowed to see that doctor. That would piss me off. So that is why. You have to look at the full circle of it. It's not necessarily that they weren't allowed to see their doctor. It's their doctor decided to not join the exchange to make their patients available for it. That's part of it, too. They're putting all the onus on the that they couldn't see the doctor. That's not the truth. The truth is the doctor chose not to accept some of these plans so they wouldn't get the money they were getting before whatever it happened to be so i mean that's one way to look at it but the other way to look at it is it's not that they were told they couldn't get their doctor their doctor told them they would not take the plan they were on they they could afford now because they're getting paid less under that plan yeah than they would be otherwise so i mean you have to look at both sides of it it's it's, it wasn't the failure it wasn't people were not paying the the way it was supposed to be set up is what got gutted and what wasn't working because this mandatory if everyone's supposed to pay into it, which no one ever did it was all going to take care of this but since none of that right. was ever enforced or happened that's what caused it all to kind of blow to hooey uh, but it, the way it was set out to do there was i mean there were some bad parts of it that needed to be tweaked i mean they just they put an entire bill through that uh, had some bad parts to it and those are things you have to amend but they really uh, – it was never given a full chance to do because it was never given a chance to be fully implemented. And then you needed to be able to tweak it from there, but they wouldn't even let the original one go through, let alone any tweaks go through. So it's, it's, it's kind of uh, was a, a double-edged sword for that. But they really need to not pull health care away. Now people all of a sudden like it because they actually have – it's the other insurance, private insurance, has been going up higher than this has. For the last six years and now that people actually want it they want to terminate the whole thing and pull another 20 something million off of health care altogether so it's a very very tricky situation there's not any full right answers there's a lot of answers that need to be done uh, but nothing no one has come with a comprehensive way to make it work yet Maybe there's hey. not a maybe it takes different pieces I don't know hey Scott do you have a, a social yeah. security card I do. 
um, then that makes you a card-carrying socialist. That's true, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just for everybody out there that's listening, uh, if you've got a social security card, that makes you a card-carrying socialist. I like that. I haven't heard that yet. I, I'm going to have Y'all. to borrow that. That's pretty good. All right, we have two minutes to finish up. Are you going to get rich today? Do you guys play the lottery? Uh, n- 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 no. You, you you read you read altered state. Anybody? Okay, look, I want a lottery winner to call me. I'm serious. <laughs> I, if you've won the lottery, the I want you to call I me. And it's got to be millions and millions of dollars, not just ten bucks on some stupid ass scratcher. It's got to be it's got to be life changing. You, ha- I want you to call me if you're a lottery winner. Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six because it's complete horse shit. Nobody ever wins the lottery, and yet we dump every single Wednesday, every single Thursday, every single Saturday, every, twice a week, right? On all of these games. We're dumping billions of dollars, two for each one, billions of dollars. And it's obviously not getting into the health care or the education like it's supposed to. All of those funds that we put in there that when we're paying to buy those tickets, when you pay a dollar, the majority of that dollar is supposed to go to health care and it's supposed to go to, to state funded or and or federal health care and and education. There's monies that are supposed to go there. They do not. And we billions of dollars every Wednesday, every Saturday, billions, billions, two billion dollars here, two billion dollars there. And what are they giving away? Six hundred million this time. What are they what are they supposedly giving away now? I think it's up to seven hundred and fifty million. Yeah, seven hundred and fifty million that nobody will ever win. Nobody. Nobody. It's it's fictitious. It doesn't exist. I'm serious. Right, I guys, want a lot of winners to please call me. It's time for our next radio show. We got to stop. All right. That's the last word. All Peace. right, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to have the Randy Report right here on Left to Straight Radio. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Standing on My Soapbox with Craig and I. Well, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Peace. Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the Internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, openly gay presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg has surged to double-digit support in a new Iowa poll. Alabama lawmakers are trying to eliminate marriage licenses entirely because they don't want LGBTQ couples to have them. A Missouri couple were turned away by a homophobic dance instructor, and Tennessee teens actually found acceptance and support as they prepared to attend prom together. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report.
openly gay presidential hopeful, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, has jumped to a double-digit third-place ranking in a new Iowa poll. According to a new survey by Emerson Polling, 11% of likely Democratic Iowa caucusgoers said they would pick Buttigieg to be their 2020 presidential nominee. Overall, Buttigieg placed third behind former Vice President Joe Biden at 25% and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont at 24%. The only other candidate to receive double-digit support was Senator Kamala Harris of California, who was the choice for 10% of respondents. Buttigieg, who has formed an exploratory committee but is not officially declared, was polling at 0% in Emerson's January survey of Iowa, which shows his recognition and support have grown significantly in the last few months. The mayor won critical praise for how he handled himself during an hour-long CNN town hall on March 10th. Veteran political advisor David Axelrod, who worked with Barack Obama, said after the event, quote, I have rarely seen a candidate make better use of a televised town hall than Pete Buttigieg. He added, he'll be less of a long shot tomorrow. The next day, the 37-year-old saw a spike in his campaign donations. And days later, he announced that he'd crossed the 65,000 donor threshold to qualify him for the first Democratic presidential debate. Keep your eyes on Buttigieg, kids. The more I hear, the more I see, the more interested I am in his candidacy. A bill banning conversion therapy across Colorado is pretty close to becoming law after the state Senate on Monday voted 21 to 13 to pass the bill, which would ban licensed professionals from the discredited practice of attempting to cure LGBTQ youth of homosexuality. The bill now heads back to the state house, which already approved the legislation in February, but needs another vote after the bill was amended in the Senate. It's expected to pass in that chamber before heading to the desk of Governor Jared Polis, who said during his gubernatorial campaign he would seek to abolish the practice statewide. Polis is the country's first out gay man elected governor. With the legislation's passage, Colorado would become the 16th state plus Washington, D.C., along with dozens of cities and counties that have now banned ex-gay torture. As I've reported many times here on The Randy Report, the harmful practice has been denounced by practically all major medical organizations, including the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Psychiatric Association. Lawmakers in Alabama have unanimously voted to stop issuing marriage licenses altogether. This is because some of the state's judges don't want to provide marriage licenses to same-sex couples. The Alabama Senate approved legislation last Thursday, sponsored by Republican Greg Albritton. The bill passed 26 to 0 in the state Senate. It will now move to the state's House, and if passed, Alabama will become the only state in the nation where marriage licenses would not generally be required to get married. Instead, Couples would have to fill out a form from the state and then present that form or affidavit to a probate judge who would then record the marriage. According to Al Britton, who first filed his bill in 2015, after the Supreme Court declared same-sex marriage to be legal nationwide, at least 
seven, but as many as 10 of the state's 68 probate judges stopped issuing marriage licenses altogether after the Supreme Court decision. About one-third of counties in Alabama had cracked down on issuing marriage licenses since then. Al Britton argues his bill eliminates the need for a wedding ceremony, leaving the state to only deal with the civil aspect of a marriage, not the religious one. Al Britton is optimistic that the bill will be passed this year. A lesbian couple in Missouri were denied entry to a dance class they had paid for and are now alleging discrimination based on their sexual orientation. Amanda Shelton and Michelle King are engaged, and they went to Prestige Ballroom to learn how to dance for their upcoming wedding. The couple told their local ABC News affiliate they were looking forward to their dance lessons, which they purchased on Groupon. That is, however until dance instructor Dave Thompson said he would not accept their business because they are gay. King told ABC News he was like, we don't have accommodations for same-sex couples to dance. It would make everyone in the room awkward. When reporters went to Prestige to get Thompson's side of the story, he said, I can't discuss it with you right now. I'll have to get my legal counsel and have them get back with you. Hmm sounds like someone knows he's in trouble. The next day, the couple got a call from St. Louis Equality Dance, a group that offers dance instruction to LGBTQ people. The couple was informed that Thompson referred the dance group to them. But King and Shelton told ABC News, we didn't pay for you, we paid for prestige. In that there are no statewide protections for LGBTQ people in Missouri, it is legal in the state to refuse business to someone based on religious belief. However, St. Louis County, where Prestige Ballroom is based, prohibits this type of discrimination. But when the couple asked Thompson if his refusal to accept their business was religiously motivated, he reportedly said no. Quote, that has nothing to do with this. Hmm. On the other end of the LGBTQ spectrum, boyfriends Pedro Reyes and Evan McKenna faced both homophobes and allies in their rural community of Morristown, Tennessee, as they prepared to attend their first prom together last year. Now, they're sharing their story in solidarity with other LGBTQ youth. Reyes writes in an essay for Outsports that he met McKenna in 2015 when the then-sophomore introduced himself to Reyes a freshman at cross-country practice. He writes, A tall, clumsy boy stumbled over to me saying, Hi, I'm Evan. Want to run with me? In that moment, I knew that this was the boy for me. Now, it took about two years for McKenna to figure himself out, but the couple finally started dating in the autumn of Reyes's junior year. Around the same time, though, a homophobic hate group proposed a symbolic resolution to ban same-sex marriage in Morristown. Yeah, that's not going to happen. The resolution failed, but it was that kind of experience that gave Reyes pause when he and McKenna went to pick up boutonnieres from a local florist for their upcoming prom event. According to Reyes, the florist asked, What color will your dates be wearing? We hesitantly answered that we were each other's dates. A moment of lingering suspense filled the room before she exclaimed with a smile, Great! How can I help you? 
Not only that, a photographer named Eric McKinley, whom Reyes says is a part of the LGBTQ community himself, happened to overhear the exchange and offered to take the couple's prom photos for free. Reyes says, we didn't plan to become activists, but after experiencing how hard it was growing up in the South, we knew we need to tell our story. I've been blessed with the platform that has allowed me to tell my story, and growing up in Morristown, I felt disconnected and alone. I want no other teen to feel that way. These days, Reyes is finishing his senior year in high school while McKenna studies pre-med at Notre Dame. Reyes notes that things have changed for the better for the LGBTQ community, but he writes, Unfortunately, we are still fighting to this day, and we will continue to keep fighting for not only ourselves, but for the rest of our community. Even though Evan and I live 410 miles apart, every time he comes home, we make time to run together. Congratulations, boys. Police are searching for a man who opened fire in the parking lot of a Palm Springs gay bar, injuring two people in the early hours of Sunday, March 24th. According to reports, a fight broke out in Toucan's Tiki Lounge, which spilled outside. Shots were then fired and two people were struck in the lower half of their bodies, one outside the club and one inside. Cell phone footage on social media showed the aftermath as patrons tried to assist the injured and were repeatedly told to stay down. The victims were taken to the hospital where they were both declared to be in stable condition. The suspect fled the scene and is described as a Hispanic male in his 20s or 30s wearing a black hat, black hooded sweatshirt, and black sweatpants with tattoos on his neck. Police told the Desert Sun there were also several witnesses to the shooting who fled the scene. Anyone who witnessed the incident is asked to come forward and contact the Palm Springs Police Department. I'll have the contact info in the show notes. And finally, I'm thrilled to share that After Forever, the gay-themed digital series created by actor-producer-writer Kevin Spiritus and his creative partner Michael Slade, has received a whopping eight Daytime Emmy nominations. They include Outstanding Digital Drama Series, Outstanding Writing for a Digital Drama Series, Outstanding Actor in a Digital Drama Series from Kevin Spiritus and Mitchell Anderson, Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Digital Drama Series for Aaron Cherry and Katie Huffman, Outstanding Guest Performer in a Digital Drama Series for Anita Gillette, and Outstanding Director of a Digital Drama Series for Jennifer Pepperman. After Forever is the story of Brian and Jason, a 50s-ish New York City gay couple who have it all until they don't. The eight-episode first season follows them and their friends through a journey of love, loss, and moving on. Longtime listeners will recall that I had an excellent time chatting with Kevin Spiritus last spring, right before the series premiered on Amazon Video. Congratulations to everyone involved, and I want to give a special shout-out to a cast member, Jameson Stern, who is one of my longtime friends and one of the most super talented actors I've ever met and worked with. Congratulations, congratulations, a thousand congratulations. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. 
I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Just leave your conscience here at the door We'll be giving you your number Won't ask for your name Cause you won't need one around here anymore Everybody's looking happy Everybody wants a place When we get lonely We can drink it away And forget we're growing older Nothing's going the way that you planned but I learned to get by, so I don't need your help I got everything I'm needing all by myself Feeling better than anything that I've ever felt Playing with the boys in the band Boys in the band He's over and he's adored Giving you life and death and everything more But when you get your peace and quiet No love and no fame It's when you start feeling so insecure But everybody wants to know you When you're always giving face Who could deny you when you're leather and lace Doing what your daddy told you Laying in the palm of his hand Well, I don't mean to be rude But I don't need your help I got everything I'm needing all by myself Feeling better than anything that I've ever felt Playing with the boys in the band Boys in the band I need it 
all by myself Feeling better than any love that I've ever felt Playing the boys in the band The boys in the band Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. It's no surprise that the most obvious trait that sets gay men apart from the rest of the world is the fact that we have sex with men. But in truth, few of us have ever had someone explain or teach us about gay sexuality. While the majority of our friends during our teen years were starting to figure out asking someone of the opposite sex out on a date and beginning to explore intimacy and sex, gay teens were in the middle of realizing we weren't quite like straight guys. I've often said when talking about emerging sexuality that the gays kind of lose eight to 10 years on the dating curve because we're working on parsing who we are, the coming out process and all that. Plus, The world is full of examples of heterosexual dating norms in movies, TV, music, books. But as a gay teen, until the Internet, there wasn't much to help educate us about not only the mechanics of gay sex, but the point behind it. Today I'm talking to popular sex-positive YouTube vlogger Davey Wavy. As many of you probably know, since 2006, Davey has covered, or uncovered, LGBT topics relating to sex, relationships, coming out, dating, boys, and just about anything having to do with homosexuality. With over a million subscribers to his YouTube channel and over 400 million views of his videos, Davey Wavy likes to invite gay men to a playful world of sexual celebration. I recently spoke to Davey about his newest endeavor, a website called Himeros.tv, which he describes as an erotic playground for men who have sex with men to enhance their experience of sex and sexuality. While the site features erotic videos of men having sex, Davey says the intent of the site is what sets it apart from your everyday porn site. For Davey, it's about experiencing the fullness of male sexuality and increasing pleasure through intimacy and discovery. Davey's goal is to help gay men connect better with one another, as well as challenge men to learn more about themselves. But Davey explains it much better than I. Let's say hello to Davey Wavy. I've been a fan of yours going back to 2006, 2007, when you started on YouTube. I think it was in connection with you that I first heard the phrase sex positive. Oh, interesting. One of the great things that you do is you talk about sex and you, and you bring humor to it and you make it like human and you, it's not too serious, but it's an important thing for people to talk about. And you've talked about the fact that gay men often learn about sex through porn, which really isn't anything about intimacy. 
Yeah. I mean, there's really, there's a perfect storm of circumstances that make sex really difficult and complicated for gay men. It's through this process of coming out and the world telling us that we're less than, our religion telling us that we are wrong, our parents or family and friends disowning us. I mean, there's this whole kind of process that I think makes a lot of gay men feel a sense of shame around their sexuality. And then when they have sex, there's a lot of guilt that, that we feel. So that's happening on one hand. And then on the other, there's this complete void, this complete lack of information and resources about sex in general, but then especially queer or LGBT and sex, and of course, gay sex being part of that, that everything that's out there really isn't made for us. At and all. It, yeah. it, and if you're lucky enough to have like some semblance of a sex education course or class growing up in school, I can promise you that we're not on the curriculum. <laughs> you know? Right. It's just not. You know, what resources do we have to turn to? I mean, we can ask our friends. We can try things out for ourselves, trial and error, which, you know, oftentimes is mostly, mostly error. Error. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or that we look at porn. I, I was recently telling my husband something. He, he was talking about his first uh, kind of boyfriend or whatever it is when you kind of come out as a gay man and you play around with someone officially, like it's like it's a real thing. And and it reminded me, my first sexual encounters, like I didn't know what I was doing. And the first time some things came up and you tried it and you're like, ow, right. <laughs> that, that hurt. And no one's there to tell you, oh, honey, you need to ABC and this will help you out. And, you know, the, especially I, I'm in my early 50s and when I was dealing with all of this, there was nothing out there to kind of help me out. Now we have Davy Wavy, but back then <laughs> we didn't have anything. Yeah. Well, and, and so you, you can completely understand the situation where, like most gay men, myself included, turn to porn to, to teach us about gay sex. Now, porn was never intended to teach us about <laughs> gay sex. You know, porn, porn isn't designed to teach you about intimacy or connection or pleasure or sexual exploration or what feels good for you or how to communicate with your partner. Porn's designed to get you off. Like, that's right. what it does. And it's, it's really good at that. But when we start to look at it for, for other things, when it comes to our sex and sexuality, it starts to come up short. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of where I think there's an opportunity to, to use some of this erotic content, but in a way that actually enhances gay men's sex and sexuality. And that's not to say that I expect, you know, every studio out there to take charge and, and, and do that, or that there's some sort of mandate um, to make, you know, socially responsible gay porn. I just think there's an opportunity for someone to do that, and I'm glad to step into that space. And what you've done is create a video website called Himeros.tv, and I'm going to make sure that I have the link in, in the notes from, for the podcast, because I think it's terrific that it's, it's sexual. I'll let you talk about it more, but it's sexual, but it also kind of goes back a little bit to remind us about intimacy and getting into those feelings and not just getting off. Yeah. So himros.tv basically uses erotic content. My mom would look at it and she'd say, it's porn. <laughs> it, so it basically uses porn to teach gay men about better sex. So, you know, when you go on, it actually, it, it looks just like any other porn site visually, right? It looks like, you know, Sean Cody or Corbin Fisher, whatever it is that, that floats your boat. Visually, it kind of looks like that interface and it's a subscription membership site. But when you kind of get into the content, 
what it serves through this erotic content. Yes, there's dicks and asses and people getting fucked and there's loads of, you know, whatever. It's all there, but it's also communicating messages that I think gay men need to hear. And it, it goes anything from like instructional games that you can play with a, a, a lover to different techniques to explore for masturbation, tantric massage techniques. I mean, it's really kind of the spectrum of, of content and messages that we don't really get. And while I've kind of created this platform for, for these things to exist, the messages don't come from me. I mean, I'm 34 years old and I'm still very much figuring things out, but there's a whole world of sex coaches and tantric instructors and, you know, sex educators and Mm -hmm. psychotherapists that have incredible knowledge and resources about gay sex that, tends to be quite frankly very inaccessible and not fun to read or learn about. I mean, going to like a seminar or reading a dense book is not quite as fun as watching a porn. So we can take some of those same principles and philosophies and communicate them to gay men in a way that's a little bit more entertaining. It's the same thing, by the way, that I've been doing on my YouTube channel for 11 years, but it's just, it's doing it with, with erotic content. Well, and I can tell you, I, I clicked through several of the videos. It's, first of all, they're beautifully shot which is nice. It, it's not like this stuff you would see on Tumblr or, or Pornhub or something that's just kind of like amateurs throwing stuff up there. It's well done, and it's thoughtful, which is what I like because it goes through a lot of different things. Like you mentioned, there because there's a category for masturbation, and one thing that a lot of people don't think about is like different stroke techniques. A lot of guys let's face it, probably just kind of do it the same way every time they do it. And, and if you, even if they change hands, they think they're cheating on the other hand or something. It feels <laughs> different. Just to shake things up and try different things and, and just to talk about that, the communication, the conversation of talking about that. I know there's videos about you know controlling your orgasm during anal sex, so it's not just bang, 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 get off and out and you know enjoying the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, most of us, most of us are mimicking what we see in porn, you know, when we're having sex and when we're jerking off. And, you know, you would think most gay men, you know, probably jerk off, what, three, four, five, ten times a week. Mm -hmm. You think that we would take a step back and say, oh, okay, like, how can I do this in a way that's a little bit more interesting or pleasurable? Or you think you would, you'd have tried every single technique at this point, right, in, in, in in your life. And, wow, how many ways can I bring myself pleasure but we don't always have the tools to do that or, or know what those techniques can be. So, um, so we're just trying to, you know, get people to think outside the box. And the funny thing is, like, because most of us are so inside this very formulaic box mm-hmm. that as soon as you start to step outside it, even a little bit, the people who people or person that you have sex with are generally – like floored by how interesting and awesome this is. I mean, and I'm like talking, you just step outside the box a little bit and they're like, whoa, like this is, this is awesome. I did an exercise with a guy I was hooking up with recently called um, uh, pleasure mapping. And so you just basically activate different parts of the body and you rate on a score of one to 10, how pleasurable it is to, for, for each of those places to be touched. And it kind of gets you to tune turn your attention inward mm-hmm. and to really experience like the pleasure that's, that's coming into you. And, and you start to discover things about your body and what feels good. And then you're also communicating that to your lover by telling them, you know, on a score of one to 10, how good something feels. Mm-hmm. And something as simple as that, you can do in 15, 
20 minutes, like is a really big step in starting to transform the sex that you're having. Well, you know, a lot of people don't even discuss, like if you're married or you have a longtime partner, I know people who don't tell their partner the things they even like, or they're embarrassed to say, well, I really like it when you do this, or I really don't like it when you do this. Just that communication is so important. The thing I like also about Himeros.tv, um, let's say it as often as possible, because I want everyone to memorize that and go to the website. Um, <laughs> that Sometimes I find in life, people kind of need to be given permission in a way to go, yes, it's okay. You, you can do that. You can explore that, because society kind of it puts us in a box. Right. And I, and I think the traditional porn that we've all watched has given us permission to have a very kind of narrow definition of sex. It's like two guys come into a room, you know, there's a bed, you kiss, you blow each other. And then, right. Yeah, it's A, B, C, D, it, and uh, come, and that's it. So we thought, you know, what if we do a video where the ejaculation doesn't happen in the last two minutes? Of, I mean, you, like, you mm -hmm. know where to fast forward to see it, for crying out loud. Like, that's how much of a formula it oh, is. Oh, it's true. It's true. Porn. <laughs> So we're like, well, what happens if, if the ejaculation happens right at the beginning? Mm -hmm. And then we do a video that explores all the things that you can have, uh, you can do afterwards. And if it's someone that experiences premature ejaculation, as a lot of guys do, it's, it, it, it gives them you know, permission to, to explore a whole world of sex that can happen after you ejaculate that we're not given access to in traditional porn content. Oh, absolutely. Because for most people, you know, once once someone ejaculates, uh, it's closed up shop time. What do you want to eat? Right. <laughs> Which is so boring. It's, I love that you guys did even the video on that because it's true. And, you know, sometimes maybe someone comes early and, and now what do we do? Oh, well, I guess I don't get to get off or something. Oh, hmm. Um, right. Or, or you feel an incredible sense of shame about having, you know, ejaculated earlier than expected and like, oh, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like it, it, it's it's important for people to to see sex in kind of an expanded uh, expanded way. So that's what we're doing. And you're shooting these videos all over the. You're not just like shooting in some studio or something. These are like pretty videos, and a lot of it's outdoors. And you've been to Brazil and Palm Springs and Hawaii and Brooklyn. Hello, Italian boys. Um, North Carolina. So I love that you're like getting. Out, and I also have to mention, I really noticed and I appreciate this personally, is that there's a lot of diversity just in the people who are shooting the videos, thank God, because it would be real easy just to use the same kind of, you know, white young boys doing everything. And there's diversity in age and diversity in just everything. So I really appreciate that. It jumped out at me when I was looking at different videos. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's, it's funny because there's, it's a little bit of this like balancing act that we, we've noticed. It's what we try to do is, work with the, you know, adult models and porn stars that my audience knows and really loves, but also to work with models that are maybe more of a reflection of who my audience is, because the reality is we're not all 20-year-old porn stars with six-pack abs and nine-inch dicks, right? And when you go to a site, it's hot to see that. Like, I totally enjoy seeing 20-year-olds with nine-inch dicks, but it's, it's also really nice to see a reflection of yourself. Um, otherwise, you can kind of get a sense of, gee, this, this sexual ecstasy that you guys are showing is awesome, but I don't think it's available to me or to people that look like me. Absolutely. So people we're trying to serve that. a little bit of yes. both. Yeah. So we had a video the other day with an 83-year-old um, in it, and I didn't really think much of it when we 
when we put it up and we kind of did our normal like press about it and all of a sudden the story got picked up by all these blogs and it it went mainstream and the Jerry Springer show of all people called they wanted to 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 work with oh, um really? yeah and I was like that's not happening but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your interest um because for for a lot of people like it's really out of the ordinary to see an 83 year old expressing their sexuality and, and their sex openly right. and freely. And we kind of tend to like neuter the, our, uh, our elders, not just in the LGBT community, but no, it's you know, just in general. It's why Betty White, Betty White is, is funny is because mm-hmm. people think, gosh, that 90 year old woman is so dirty. She shouldn't be saying those things. <laughs> well, guess what? Like when we're 90 years old, I, I sure as hell plan to be a whole, whole lot dirtier than, than Betty White. Right. <laughs> like that doesn't stop with age. Right. Um, so it's, it's important for, for us to, to show that and to honor that. You know, along those same lines, because you, you brought up Betty White, one of the things I love, I mentioned my, my husband is the publicist for Chippendales here in Las Vegas. When, when he has celebrities come see the show, I often come and I sit in the back of the house. And half of the show for me, you know, I enjoy looking at the guys, and, and they're all nice guys. And, but for me, much in the same way you're, you're talking about for gay people, I love that Chippendales kind of gives women permission to enjoy their sexuality because, you know, a lot of societal pressures have told women, oh, you shouldn't be too sexual or, or that's dirty. Or, or, and, you know, sometimes the, the wildest women, the women who are like screaming the loudest, are like 60 or 70 years old at Chippendales. And I think that's fabulous. It makes me so happy. Just for everybody, that, that whole universal message, I think, is, is important. But you do this for the gays, and I'm glad that you do, because like I said at the beginning, you were the first person to ever say the phrase sex positive, And I had to sit and think about that when I first heard it. I thought, God, I really like that, because my husband and I are actually very comfortable with the topic of sex, and but we know a whole lot of people who are very uptight about it. And I don't mean to judge other people, but there's a part of us, you know, I just want to go, gosh, if you could relax just a little, you'd be having more fun with even just the topic. I'm not talking about even getting into sex, but just the topic of sex. It's, it's, it's funny because we – this is a conversation I was having with one of the sex coaches that we we're working with is, is – you know, about that shame and that guilt that people have, especially around gay sex. Uh, I was trying to think of a way to phrase that for our website, but I didn't want to frame it in terms of like, you know, we're about like removing shame and guilt. Like I didn't want to phrase it in terms of the negative thing. I wanted to frame it in terms of, of something positive. And I struggled and struggled to find whatever word was the opposite of shame and of guilt and finally, the, the coach stepped in and he said, the word that you're looking for is joy. It's mm-hmm. treating our sex and our sexuality, our gay sex and our gay sexuality with joy. And, and, and that's the opposite of shame and guilt. It's when you infuse it with joy and with light, that it completely changes the experience for gay men and you start to shed those, those layers. So even when we do like stupid YouTube videos, I did a, a video um, not too long ago that was called the the uh, the what's up my butt challenge, <laughs> and it and it was a parody. There's this horrible uh, like challenge video uh, genre on YouTube, full of really like just like I mean it's it's just painful to watch. But they did have this this series called the what's up my butt challenge, and it was people like sitting on um, through their jeans, sitting on different objects and trying to guess what they were. So we thought we can do a better version of this. <laughs> and so we had uh, Brent Everett, who's one of my favorite 
porn stars from when I was just like, you know, a little kid growing up. Um, and he came over and he put different like household objects up my butt and had to guess what, <laughs> what, what they were. And, and I got a, a note from YouTube being like, eh, like I, this is kind of towing the line. Like, what are you doing here? And <laughs> like, this is a little ridiculous, but, but for me, it really was about like, we're laughing, we're having fun around something that there's so much stigma around butt sex. And, and, you know, that was a way to be joyfully gay right. and, and for people to, to see that. So yeah, it's a ridiculous video, but I think there's, there's, there's a value in, in something like that. Because there is an exploration to be had there. Like just to even be aware of like feeling different things, I would imagine, but also to have fun with it, not be afraid of it. Well, thank you so much for having time to chat. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to tell my readers exactly where to find you on YouTube and also Himeros.tv and make sure you go there, check it out, and have fun with it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks to Davey for having time to chat with The Randy Report today. I've said for years that human sexuality is something to be celebrated, not be ashamed of, so I appreciate everything he does on that front. I'll make sure to have links to his YouTube channel and himrose.tv in the show notes. That brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBT news with The Randy Report, I'd appreciate it if you share with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I follow the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.
with no peace. It's a struggle, it's a struggle, it's a struggle to find me. When the world breaks. Faith, you gotta keep on. You gotta keep up. You gotta be strong. Be strong. Be strong. You gotta keep up. You gotta be strong. Don't lose the faith. You gotta keep on. You gotta keep up. You gotta be strong. Be strong. When the world breaks, you stand tall. When you feel pain, you fight it off. When they go low, you go high. You're gonna rewrite. The storyline Those that don't believe in you Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. It is a uh, cold cold Saturday morning in March and we are happy to have you guys tuning in with us and uh before we get any further there's something I got to get out of the way okay happy birthday to no, you no do not sing happy singing birthday is not allowed to you we promised each other when we first got married there would never be any singing at restaurants in general <laughs> no singing you don't know how much I love you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, honey. <laughs> well, no singing. You know, you know, I didn't do what I was planning on doing. I already told you what you're getting for your birthday. Yeah, I am getting a wonderful gift of we have tickets to see Live and Push with uh, Our Lady Peace opening for them, which is just so packed full of 90s goodness I can hardly even tolerate it. <laughs> That's that's my that's my thing. That's her jam. Yeah, you know, you, you 
put a bunch of '90s bands together, and you you're making me really happy. So. Yeah. So we uh, we had the opportunity, and uh, so I went for it and got our tickets, and we got really good tickets. So I'm real happy about that. Um, here's how much I love this woman. I I'm not a fan of Bush, <laughs> and we're going to see them. So, get your mind out of the gutter. What? I wasn't <laughs> thinking that. Oh my God, you're the one in the gutter. Good God, that's horrible. Well, well, what were you thinking? I, nothing. I just laughed because you said you weren't a fan of Bush. <laughs> this is just going way downhill. Oh way my God, fast. you're supposed to be nice to me on my birthday. I I am nice to you. I'm nice to you every day. <laughs> All but, right, uh, no, but I no. but I am I am a fan of live though, so I'm excited to see them. I know you've seen them a couple of times. I've seen them a couple of times, and they're always absolutely fantastic. And I uh, I know the the tour they're on. The live is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Throwing Copper, and Bush is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Sixteen Stone. Sixteen Stone. And um, you know I, I I bag on her about Bush. The truth is they they do have some good songs. I I am looking forward to seeing them. And seeing how they are live, I don't know if you've ever seen them live. Or not. I have. Have you? Okay, I wasn't sure. Um, but I know. Uh, no. Oh, gone. Okay. Okay. I know. I've never. So I am actually looking forward to it. I've never seen it. Our Lady Peace though, and mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan, and I am super, super excited to finally get to see them. It was. It's like. If I were to say I had a bucket list, which I usually don't, but uh, if I had a bucket list, seeing Our Lady Peace would be on it. So. Yeah, so I'm real, real happy that I was able to do that for um, – so, yeah, so so that's the exciting thing. Is I've been trying to make that for her birthday instead of getting a bunch of trinkets and stuff when we got, you know, I, honestly, a small house and not a lot of room. Um <laughs> I'm trying to make it more about experiences. So one year we went to go and see Holland Oates, which is another one of her all-time faves. And um, last year, what did we do last year for your birthday? I don't remember. I got you tickets to something. I, I know that. I do not recall at this point, but we should move on. It's <laughs> enough birthday talk. Yes, dear. I know how much <laughs> you love your birthday. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah. So today we are very excited because uh, we got to reschedule this lovely lady from um, when I was very sick. We couldn't uh, do the show with her, so we're we're glad to have her with us today. And yes. and she told us uh, ahead of time that this this is her first podcast, so we're all going to be very nice to her. Yes, <laughs> we we promise we're not going to throw her to the wolves. Yep. Um, but she is uh, a, a fantastic mental health advocate. She is the creator of, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter, um, at WeTalkMH. Uh, they do a lot of great work, and she's just... Um, she's an all-around groovy chick. Absolutely, Ooh. yeah. Yes. And I met, her, I met her on Twitter, as I do a lot of our guests, and uh, have been, everything's, you know... It's been great. Well, I'll just say it's been great knowing her. So, uh, it's been great knowing you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the whole birthday thing's throwing me off my game a little bit. But sorry, um, babe. Please welcome to our show, Miss <laughs> Karen Romero. Yay! Hi, guys. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for being with Good us. Morning. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. 
And you get to do it on my baby's birthday. How exciting is that? I know. You know Happy birthday. She, Thank you. She she yeah. hates her birthday so bad. Yeah, I really Oh, I really think a lot of us do, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's got she's got her reasons behind it, but it's it's okay. We're gonna we're gonna try and make it the, the best that we can. Um The important thing is that I don't look my age. Yeah, this is true. That, that is, is very yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that uh you know, she's got the good genes on, on that end of it. You know, she doesn't look her age at all. So, you know, lucky lucky dude I am. That concert though sounds amazing and I'm very jealous. Doesn't it? So Yeah. I hope it's ama- great. Um, yeah, I, I too. It's um it's gonna be at a, a open air amphitheater uh in September, so it should be really nice. Oh, and I forgot to tell you the other part. I uh, it's a Sunday night the concert is, so mm-hmm. I took that Monday off. Great. <laughs> it's always a heck of a time getting out of those parking <coughs> parking structures, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they have a parking structure where we're going. No well, parking lot. It's but gonna be you know, even though even the parking lot is going to be, uh, you know, just. Totally busy, yeah. But it should be it should be a good time. I've only been to this this particular venue once, and I have never been. Yeah, and I think it was to see Joe Piscopo. <laughs> I can't believe you just admitted to that. <laughs> it was the nineties, you know. I can say that because it was the nineties. It was it was his post Saturday Night Live popularity phase when he was, you know, big into lifting weights. Lifting weights, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. Well, to... Karen, if you don't have any questions for us before we move forward, we're just going to jump right in and start, start grilling you. Jump on don't in. Tell... I'm good. Okay. Don't tell her you're going to grill her. You're going to scare the poor girl. <laughs> no. I think by now she has gotten a feel for us and knows that <laughs> we're not that bad. So. Where were you on the night of the 5th? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> All right, so our first question that we like to ask all of our guests, Karen, is um, where does your mental health journey begin? So I am a licensed independent clinical social worker. I live live and I was born and raised in Maine, but I'm actually licensed in New Hampshire because we live right next door. Um, And I work as a crisis clinician in an emergency room. Um, So... I always knew that I wanted to help people when I was thinking about school, um, and I originally wanted to be a child psychiatrist, but that was way too much school, so I nixed that. Um, And it kind of stems from my aunt and and a, a school social worker that I, I didn't personally meet with, but like friends of mine met with. Um, going throughout high school, um, and I saw kind of the impact that they were both making, um, and I just knew that that was something that I could be very passionate about, and it it fell into the realm of wanting to help people, but um, I didn't need to necessarily spend my entire adult life in in college. So um, there's, there's actually three of my aunts have some sort of mental health or counseling degree. Um, so it's 
it's just kind of always been there. Um, we're we're a very you know empathetic family. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So so you yourself don't actually have um, anything uh, mental health related going on. Um. Well. I don't want to say no. I don't have an actual diagnosis, and I, I have a, a YouTube channel that I haven't been super great about posting videos the last couple of weeks because I think my mental health has kind of declined a little bit because I've been so busy and I'm, I haven't been focusing on self-care a lot. But I do have, you know, growing up, um, I have periods of anxiety that, you know, are somewhat debilitating but not super debilitating, um, and I I did suffer from um, postpartum depression after I had my, my daughter, um, and there's lots of, you know, there's multiple people in my family who, who suffer from mental illness, so um, I think that, you know, although not diagnosed, and I don't necessarily, you know, condone self-diagnosing, but, you know, I think everybody struggles with something at some point in their time, in their life. Right. Absolutely. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Live reading, gentlemen. My husband it. just had to sneeze. So. And, and scare the hell out of the cat. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, I couldn't stop that one. I, I tried, but... Um, okay, so so it was it was less a, uh, a a thing of you having to personally deal deal with any any internal demons and more you know, you were brought up around, you know, the, all the concepts of, of mental health and, and helping with mental illness and, and that type of thing. And that's really what drew you to the path that you're on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, it's a very altruistic uh, way of being and, and you know, good good on your aunts for, for showing you this, you know, this, you know, I don't want to say compassion. That's the wrong word. Um, but path. just, yeah, just this path to, to want to help others. You know, that's, yeah. that's really awesome. You know, a lot of us were in this because of, you know, things that we have gone through, are going through, will probably go through tomorrow um, and wanting to help. And, you know, for you to, I mean, you, you mentioned that you've got, you know, a couple of things in, in your past, like the postpartum and, you know, the, the bouts of anxiety, but, you know, nothing officially diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So for you to just want to help just out of you being an awesome person is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really remember, you know, I there were periods in high school. That would be my daughter. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> playing with things um there are periods in high school where you know i think that everybody deals with you know depression high school is hard being a kid is really hard and i remember those periods of time and i just it was never something that was openly talked about that like it is today and i think that we still you know we've done a lot in awareness and advocating um but i think that there's still so much that we can do yeah, I, I, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really, like, I remember being in school and feeling like, you know, 
I was alone in the way that I was feeling, um, but never knowing that there was something that I could do about it until I met the school social worker, until I was old enough to realize exactly what my, my aunt was doing and how she was helping and what, what that meant. And, um, and that's kind of what led me down the path is, you know, like, oh, there are other people that feel the way that I feel. Um, and there's actually something that I can do about it and help people so that they don't necessarily, you know, develop long-term chronic mental illnesses. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was a long time coming. <laughs> That was actually one of the questions we had for you was was your opinion on the stigma and, you know, do you think we're doing enough or possibly what do you think we could be doing moving forward that, <clears throat> excuse me, might make a bigger difference? I definitely think that the stigma is real. I mean, it still continues to be real. We, I see it. I don't know. I'm sure you see it, Rebecca, on, on Twitter that, you know, there are still so many people who have these stigmatized opinions on mental health and mental illness. Um, and the amount that it's talked about now is so much more greater than it was even, I don't know, like five years ago. But there's yeah. still so much that we can do, you know, to combat it at, you know, early ages. Like if we, I'm a strong advocate for teaching mental health and mental illness um, topics in schools to, you know, young kids about, you know, what this is, what it means to have, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, she's playing with coat hangers, naturally, (laughs) Um, (laughs) this is what it means to, you know, be anxious, and this is, you know, what it means to kind of feel like maybe you're battling some signs and symptoms of depression and this is how you can help it help yourself and you know teaching coping skills and and teaching kids that it's okay to openly talk about it and most importantly that it's okay to ask for help you know I'm I'm a strong believer in that our our lack of education and information you know feeds into this notion that you know people aren't going to ask for help, which then leads to, you know, high suicide rates. And it's a cycle, and it's, I think that the easiest way that we can kind of stop that cycle is to focus on more education early on. Yeah, I, agree. I actually I started a petition for just that purpose, and um, unfortunately the people kind of just fizzled out on it, but it was doing pretty good there for a while. But, yeah, I I firmly agree with you. I think that uh, it should be mandatory in schools. Um, As big of of an issue as mental illness has become, and, you know, we're learning about more and more people every single day that are having to deal with it, and it just, I don't know. I, I, I think that it, it really needs to be something that is, like you said, taught at a very young age and especially taught, you know, empathy. Yeah. You know, I. Yeah. 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 I think if there was more empathy uh, 
talked about and developed, um, you'd, you'd see a lot less bullying for one thing. Right. I really believe yeah. that. Well, yep. Um, <clears throat> being able to learn what it was like to be in another person's shoes and being supportive of them instead of making fun of them for those same said shoes, you know, or mm-hmm. what have you, you know, it, it's, <clears throat> and I think a lot of it too comes down to the parents, you know, you, you look at other causes and how they developed over the years, uh, like racism, for example, uh, yeah. racism for, for a lot of years, you know, and it still goes on. We see it every day, but people are a lot more aware of it and discuss it more openly than they did even 30 years ago, you know, and there were <clears throat> reached a point where a certain generation, it was going to be the hardest for them. You know, uh, I think that for, you know, like our generation, uh, it's, we have an easier time talking about it and trying to combat it and understanding the rights and wrongs and, and all that with it. Um, but for our parents and their parents, it was harder because it was a different time. Mm-hmm. And I think we're yeah. going to, I think we're, we're dealing with the same thing when talking about uh, stigma and mental health and mental mm-hmm. illness. Um, yeah. You know, our people of our generation are going to have a harder time than our kids. I, I really mm-hmm. think that because when we were kids, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't, you know, unless you were brought up like, like you were, where you actually had your aunts talking about it and stuff. Um, you know, most of us didn't deal with things like that. We very rarely saw it, you know. So or if, if we did, we didn't know what it was or right. where it came. Because, you know, for me personally, I had a brother, you know, um, he just recently passed away, but he uh, was mentally ill, and uh, it took years of misdiagnoses to find out, you know, to, to work through and find out what it was actually going on with him. And mm-hmm. um, I think that was kind of a, a trend for for several decades. Yeah, that people were were you know given these labels that were completely inaccurate and mm-hmm. I think now now maybe although I, I won't say that that has ended by any any means but I think that we're a little bit more informed and, and can you know come to the to the proper conclusion as to what <clears throat> excuse me this person may need to get help yeah, yeah. plus you know we're we're more aware of certain signs to look for with certain diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's important, you know. Yeah, the science, mm-hmm. you know, the science behind mental illness has come a long way in the last, you know, decade. And and there's still so much more that we can understand because, I mean, the brain is so complex. And, you know, the research that they're doing around, you know, anxiety or depression or even, like, personality disorders or psychosis or any of those things, it's still, it's still happening, so there's still more that we're coming to find out, and then it's, 
you know, it takes a little while for the trickle-down effect to get down to, like, the mental health providers and then into the society and how people understand it. But, like, what you were talking about, you know, like, my mom battles anxiety and depression, but up until, like, two years ago, I never knew that Mm -hmm. she felt like that. And it's, you know, it's progressively gotten worse due to, like, environmental factors. Um and she's had some pretty significant, you know, side effects and symptoms of, of those mental illnesses. But she, you know, I remember her telling me, you know, I've always kind of felt like this, but I just never talked about it. So it's like, it's definitely a generational mm-hmm. thing. And the more, the more that we come to accept it and put the education that we're getting out there for other people, the more that we're going to combat the stigma and that's so important in kind of moving forward and better understanding what it is that people are actually going through. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So we're going to get back to our questions because uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what we got. We digress. We digress. <laughs> Tangent. So talk with us. Let's see. Well, we've covered that one. We don't need to really cover that one. Well, I think we should, I think she kind of answered that. All right, go do, do what you want to do, babe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, go for it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question, but I think you already kind of answered it. So, okay. um, I'm just getting it out of the way. Uh, what made you decide to become an advocate? What you know, go online and tell your story and help others and things like that. Well, you didn't say you're gonna elaborate like that. That helps. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I started. We talk mental health. Um, in July of 2018 as like a social media platform. We have uh, a Twitter and an Instagram and I have a Facebook page that kind of gets used but not so much as much as Twitter. Um, And I also started a YouTube channel and I was blogging for a little bit. I was just trying to kind of figure out how I wanted to go about this and I think that YouTube is kind of more of my niche. But um, I started it because uh, for a couple of different reasons, I'm I've got this idea in my head, you know, that I, I felt like I'd gotten my master's degree. I was diving into the world of, you know, crisis management and, and you know, suicide prevention, like, headfirst within my job. And um, I just, you know, got this urge to do more. And I kind of had, like, this business plan kind of pop up into my head to – which I'm still working on, but the kind of the premise behind it is making mental health services more easily acceptable and more affordable. And it's still a work in progress. I've got leaps and bounds to go, but I decided that after kind of coming up with this idea for this business plan that I kind of wanted to put myself out there as an advocate because in order to get people behind this kind of new movement, um, I needed to kind of know what people were going through, what they wanted, what they liked, what they didn't like, um, and, you know, put information out there. And it just kind of bloomed and blossomed and uh, became this thing that I'm extremely passionate about at this point. Um, And then I got, you know, opportunities like these where I get to come and talk about kind of what I would like to do and how I would like to move forward and see, you know, what kind of happens. But it was, yeah, it just kind of came from the idea of, you know, just wanting to do more 
part of my ethical code as a social worker is advocacy. You know, I have it's it's ingrained in what we're taught. It's ingrained in who I am as a person, like to the bone, for mm-hmm. wanting to do more and and making it so that people have access to things that they need in order to combat their mental illnesses and, and manage them and live with them. And, you know, there are so many barriers to getting to, you know, a baseline way of life for somebody who's living with mental illness that I wanted to do more to help make it easier. And this was one way, you know, getting online and, and kind of being an advocate was one way on top of the other ways that I would like to would like to do so. Um, there's been a couple of recent um, suicides within my community um, mm. of people who I knew of that, you know, I don't want to say acquaintances because they, you know, I, I knew them through other people, um, but they hit the community really hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to find ways to, um, get people together to get people talking so that things like that don't happen. And, and, you know, one of them was just very, well, they were both very much um, unexpected, I think. Um, So, you know, getting people together so that we can openly start talking about mental health and mental illness and getting help and it being okay to get help in a forum where there's other people that you know. Um, or yeah. may not know. Um, so I'm working on um, you know, a business plan. I'm advocating on Twitter. I'm trying to get an event um, together locally um, where we get a bunch of bands to play, um, kind of like a music and mental health type of thing where um, it's just this big event to raise money for suicide prevention. And you know, I'm constantly trying to think of different ways that I can can do more. That's awesome. Yeah, and and let us say uh, right now that if if you do end up getting all of that together and it it comes to fruition, you know we're more than uh, happy to have you come back on the show and and talk about it and try to get more uh, you know attention drawn to it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. just keep me posted on um, how you're doing with that. Absolutely. Well, we've got to take a quick break, so uh, we will catch you on the other side of Brandon Carmody Voices.
Change 2.0, uh, where you are indeed listening to the voices. Um, this is the voice of Joe, and uh, <laughs> next to me is the voice of Rebecca, and on the phone we have the voice of Karen Romero of We Talk yep. MH. Yay! And Yay. Uh, uh, we, I, I was going to ask you a question coming up here, but before I ask that, I uh, because we had the 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 joy of getting to briefly hear your daughter uh, <laughs> during the break. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to ask this this question kind of popped in my head. Um, do you have any type of plan as far as talking with her about you know what you do in mental health and and the advocacy work you do and and when you might actually introduce that to her? Oh, absolutely. Um... She knows that I work, like, in a hospital. She knows that I work in an ER and that I help people. Um, and that and is kind of, I think, all that kind of really matters to her at this point. But mm-hmm. in terms of, like, her emotions, she's very um, expressive and... Um, has you know we're still learning how to manage them and you know that's 
always going to be, you know, a continued process. Right. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to, you know, make sure that she knows that it's important to talk about how she's feeling and use her words as best she can. If, you know, she's four, they're going to be four. So, yeah. Um, at the age appropriate level of, you know, talking about how she's feeling and kind of what that means, and you know, when she's having a hard time with something really trying to, you know, walk her through it and so that she is more apt as she grows older, you know, to come to to me or her dad or anybody and to tell somebody, you know, I'm kind of having a really hard time. I might need help. Um, it's super important to me and my husband. And I disagree on a lot of different things, but we are on the same page with that in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, if she ever needs help, we are going to get her whatever she needs and that mental health and mental illness is very important, um, you know, to, to talk about and, and learn about. So I will 100%, you know, foster that. Um, we actually have guardianship of my husband's um, 17 year old brother. Um, and it's the same thing with him. You know, um, he's at an age where we can have more complex conversations. So, you know, I'm constantly telling him, if you need anything, you know, talk to me. We can find you somebody to talk to if you're having a hard time with anything. Um, so with her being so young, you know, it's easier to kind of foster that type of awareness. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm very, you know, passionate about and will continue to do so as best I can. Cool. That's very yeah. cool, you know. Um, you know, hopefully by what you do, with her, maybe that will help uh, kind of inform some of the plans that you want to do going forward, you know, with with advocacy in the community and stuff, you know. Yeah. Getting getting uh, getting education to the uh, the younglings, as our Star Wars yes. fans call them. <laughs> um, so cool. It's I have like this giant list of things that I would like to do. <laughs> and that's on there <laughs> but you know there's only 24 hours in a day and I work um, like so I work 12 hour shifts in an ER um, so and I work overnight so I'm a little discombobulated sometimes in terms of like what day it is and, you know getting enough sleep and I think that's why my mental health has kind of declined a little bit over the last couple of weeks because um, I'm just really off um, yeah. but it's it's on there to to work towards you know pushing mental health and mental illness education into schools. It's definitely something I would really really love to do. Very cool. Well, you uh yeah. you briefly touched on it, but did you want to talk a little bit more about We Talk MH and and what the goals are with that and um you know where people can get involved? Yeah. Um. So like I said, I started it. Last July, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'd always had like I'd had a Twitter account for my per- like personally for a long time, and like never did anything with it. I think there's like stages of Twitter use that people go through. Mm-hmm. And then I was finally like, oh, this is really cool. I really like this. Um, and when I this idea popped into my head that I wanted to do something more, you know, I kind of jumped on the social media bandwagon um, to use it as a platform. And it's just. Um, so Mondays, I talk about myths that are associated with mental illness. So, like, you know, talking about how 
it's more common than people think or, you know, myths about specific diagnoses like depression or anxiety or personality disorders that I, that I provide information, provide people with information that helps debunk the myth so that, you know, people can share it and, you know, maybe somebody will read it and be like, oh, okay, um, if it's only that easy. Um, and throughout the week, I pick different topics, you know, depending on, like, if something's happening um, or I'll, you know, consistently ask some of the followers that I have, you know, what type of topics would you like to discuss, what information would you like, and I'll, you know, take a day and kind of put that information out there. Um, Saturdays is self-love Saturday where I promote self-love because self-love and self-care are very important um, and, you know, feed greatly into individuals' well-beings and kind of maintaining, you know, good mental health um, and, you know, tips and tricks and topics. And, um, I have a YouTube channel. Like I said, I haven't put out a video in a couple of weeks. So I've been trying to get myself back up to, you know, my personal baseline. Right. Um, but I will talk about topics on there as well. Um I talked about my own personal mental health kind of journey, um, and that was a pretty emotional video for me. I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> um, there he is. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's just it, the handles for Twitter and for Instagram are the same. It's at WeTalkMH. Um, so if you'd like to, you know, jump on there, um, follow us if there's anything that you want. I say us like it's more than me, but it's just me. Um, <laughs> give us a, give me a follow. Um, and, you know, if there's anything that you want to know, any questions that you might have, um, you know, it's so empowering to be part of the mental health community on Twitter. And I'm constantly talking about it to people because I didn't know that it existed before I jumped on. And it's, it's an incredible community of people who, you know, yeah. are – telling their stories and being open about their mental health and mental illness. Um, and then, you know, professionals that are constantly trying to put information out there to help people if they're struggling. So we're just trying to, I'm saying that I did it again. I'm just trying to do my part. Um, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to do my part and, you know, trying to well, make it a little. Well, you did call it We Talk MH. So I think we got the whole we us thing going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like um, it's taken on its own entity in my head, I think. So it's probably why I do that. Like it's totally separate from me. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Um, what is the hashtag I am one in five? Ooh, good one. Um, so I am one in five is this. I, another idea that I have um, to kind of create a movement um, to, you know, when people are ready to encourage them to be like, because one in five people in the United States have a mental illness. So wow. when you think about that, that's really a lot of people. And, you know, people are have this stigmatized belief. Some people have a stigmatized belief that that mental health is, uncommon and that it's something that only, you know, people who are weak-minded or, you know, have, it's like a personality defect and that's just not the case.
case, and so many people battle one or or multiple mental illnesses. And the one in the hashtag I am one in five idea kind of came into play when I just wanted to encourage people to to encourage others um, mm-hmm. that they're not alone and that there are other people out there who are you know are battling a mental illness. Um, in the spring, I'm going to be starting a um, photography kind of uh, project where I have a number of individuals who are willing to participate locally to where I am. I'm in Maine, um, who are willing to kind of step out of their comfort zone a little bit and let me photograph them because they, um, you know, battle a mental illness and um, to put it out there so that, you know, there's no specific face of, of depression or anxiety or personality disorders. That's somebody who you don't have to look a certain way and you can, you can be a person who functions totally normally in society and still battle a mental illness. So the I am one in five movement is kind of about that. It's kind of, you know, letting people know that they're not alone and putting a face to that idea that there are other people out there and that they don't have to, Suffer in silence. I don't like the word that's suffer, right. but yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. You know, yeah, that's a, a you know definitely a, a you know it's a, it's eye opening really. I mean, if you think about it, you know, one in five people. That's you know I know we got two of them right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's so. and I think it's even in the UK. And if I'm wrong, I highly apologize, but I'm pretty positive that in the UK it's one in four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't know kind of how that statistic is put out by NAMI, so the National Alliance on, on Mental Illness. Um, and I don't know, you know, when that's kind of been updated, but, it, you know, it could be even less that, you know, it could be one in four now at this point because there are so many more people kind of openly talking about what they're going through. Um, but, yeah, so the I'm one in five yeah. is just kind of like a movement that I kind of put out there um, so that people That's know cool. that they're not alone. Yeah. Kind of like my keep talking MH. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That hashtag yep. is, you know, it, it, I think it's honestly saved a lot of people. Oh, thank you and for saying that. And when I found out that it was you, I was like, no way. <laughs> 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 oh. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, we're, 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 uh, we're kind of proud of that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely something to be so proud of. Yep. Well, you should be proud of what you're doing too, though. I mean, Absolutely. you know, you, you, you definitely have your heart in the right place with everything that you're doing and, and uh, what you have going on now and what you have planned on going on. And, you know, I hope that you see your, you know, your, your plans just blossom. Actually, I, I, I think it'd be really cool to see a lot of your stuff blossom outside of the main area to the oh, rest yeah. of the country. You know, yeah, that sure. would be really, really cool. You know, it, um, it would be. And and you could definitely make that happen through, you know, connecting with other people on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. So they are all ready, willing, and able to help. 
a lot yeah. of them. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Twitter is a, a great kind of forum to to connect and to to mark the network. So just about yep. kind of finding you know, people like you guys who are you know out there trying to put faces to people who are really trying to make a difference, and it's you know it's about finding more people that are willing to yeah. kind of help out. Sure. Um, I know we didn't ask this, but what what is the name of your YouTube channel? Yeah. Oh, so it's it's We Talk MH. It's, it's, oh, I okay. tried to keep it all. I tried to keep it all easily. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's We Talk MH, and it's I haven't put out a video in a couple of weeks, um, but I'm planning on kind of jumping back in because I'm feeling better about life um, a little bit. So that's good. I kind of, you know, I feel guilty about not putting out videos, and I, I just kind of had to, you know, put myself first for a little bit. But you have to do important. this, you know. Yeah. So, sometimes you have to. I mean, we we do it with the show. You know, we've had uh, times where we've had to cancel because of, you know, not only physical ailments going on, but sometimes there might be something going on with one of us mentally, and we just we know we're not where we need to be to do the show, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, and that's the thing that I think a lot of us need to get comfortable with. I know it's something for sure Rebecca wrestles with is being able to say that it's okay that you're taking time for yourself and doing self care and, you know, trying to get yourself back to a place of equilibrium when you know that you're not in a good spot mentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because it's, it's, I think... there's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you finish. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say, you know, it's it's real easy with doing all this work to become overwhelmed and have it become too much because you know there's so much that you want to do and there's so much work that still needs to be done. And while we're all pulling together and rowing the boat in the same direction, it's still reaches a point where, okay, I, I need to check out mentally for a minute and uh, get my head together. So yeah. um, being learning to be okay with that is a really important, really fundamental thing that a lot of us in the community, if, if we struggle with it, we have to, you know, learn how not to struggle with it. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult yeah. for me when I, when I know that I've got, things that need to be done um, but I know that I need to rest for you know a migraine or just for you know my my general mental health it's incredibly difficult for me not to feel guilty about you know not taking care of such and such thing and um, I don't I don't know. I've worked on it and I've worked on it and I don't know if I'll ever, you know, be completely be able to get past that, but mm-hmm. I definitely am. I'm trying and I know that there's other people that, that go through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah absolutely. there's days where I have to reassure her that, you know, it's okay that she's just lying in bed and breathing, you know, mm-hmm. um, versus getting up and doing 50 different things all at once. Um, you know, it, it ta- and it takes that reassurance, you know, that some some of us were brought up that if we're laying around doing nothing, we're 
lazy and we're this and we're that. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. You know, yeah. I mean, there and there's, I mean, while while I personally will admit there's something to be said for being lazy, I'm the, the poster boy for laziness. Um, it still, when it's a beneficial thing for your mental health, you know, that's not being lazy. That's being kind to yourself. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. Out of curiosity, Karen, what do you do to practice self care? Ooh, good. Um. So. <laughs> It's been ingrained in me, you know, because I was brought up similar that if you're just kind of sitting around, you're you're lazy. Like there, I just, I always felt like there was something that I needed to be doing, and I still, you know, like you guys, battle with that sometimes. Um, but it was ingrained in me through undergrad and grad school, through going, you know, first going to be a social worker, that self care is so important, you know, to help prevent burnout, to help prevent all of these things. So. I learned, you know, early on in college that there were things that worked for me. So, like, running is definitely one that helped me the most, I think, even though I hate it. But, like, afterwards, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I feel so much better. Um, and it's also something that's important for me because, um, you know, I have – I'm a member of the main Air National Guard, and I have been for, like – almost 11 years at this point, so I have to pass a PT test. So I have to, like, use it as two different two different forms. Um, but wow. spending time, you know, with my friends, um, taking, you know, family vacations is, is another one um, when, I, when we can afford them, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I like reading a lot. I'm a total young adult book nerd. Um, so I, I read like crazy, um, and it helps me to kind of escape kind of reality for a little while. And I think that that can be really kind of refreshing. Um, I also like eating. Eating is a good I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm a like fan of eating. I'm, yeah. I will not, uh, turn down a, a, a bar of chocolate, which is also why the running is important. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I actually had a conversation with a, a friend of mine. I, I had help on my route yesterday. I, I <clears throat> work for a uniform company, mm -hmm. and uh, usually, usually I'm by myself on the road. But yesterday I had help, and he's he's a bit of a health nut, um, you know, vegetarian and you know working out, moving and stuff. And he's, he's this kid in his mid twenties, <clears throat> and we're talking about running and. You know, he's like, it's important to, to keep moving. I'm like, yeah, I at this point, man, unless I'm going to be chased by a bear, I'm not running anywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, that's my feeling on it. You know, I, uh, I I applaud people that can, but I just, I can't. I can't do it. I, I'll walk. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll walk like an MFR, but I, uh, when it comes to running, yeah, no, there, there better be a grizzly behind me. Yeah. So. There's, once I get into a rhythm of it and, like, I get into a routine, I'm good to go. But, like, getting back into that routine because Maine has brutal winters and we're just – it's mm -hmm. just starting to kind of get nicer. So – and I'm picky. Like, I don't like going to the gym to run. I don't like treadmills. I bought a treadmill. I never used it. I just sold it. Um, <laughs> so I would just much, much rather run outside. Um, so once I get back into it, I'll be good to go. But right now getting back into it is like pulling teeth. So Yeah. Probably the it's, only way I would run is if there was a grizzly behind me too. 
<laughs> incidentally, if you get a chance, because this is a trip, look up on YouTube. There's this video of this girl snowboarding, and she's using a selfie stick while she snowboards. And you can see behind her, and there's a grizzly bear chasing her, and she has no oh. idea. <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa! That's also another form of self-care for me is snowboarding. And I'm sad that the, the season's ending, um, starting to get nicer out. But there's no way that I would ever snowboard with a selfie stick. I That's just, I'm not, we're not there. We're not at that level. <laughs> but with a grizzly behind me, I'd probably make it down the mountain quicker than I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, she has no idea. It's just, it's bizarre. Oh. So. I'll definitely yeah. have to look that up. <laughs> You know, we live in Michigan, and we've got some very brutal winters, too. This yes. last has, has not been fun. And, yeah. you know, we went through a day last week that was like 60 degrees. Yeah. And then after that, it's been 20 and 30, maybe 40 if we're lucky. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds just yeah. like me. Just like yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So the winter what... can play such a really big you know, role in people's mental health too. So it's, oh yeah, I'm excited for it to start getting nicer because I think that you know, seasonal kind of depression has taken a toll on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that it's definitely to get nicer. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you and We Talk MH? Ooh. Um, Long term, I don't (laughs) keep going on the pen I'm going. The business plan that I have um, is pretty much done. Now it's just about, you know, to to make kind of treatment a lot easier for people and hopefully more affordable. Um, It's a really big dream and a really big goal, but I think that if I can achieve it, then, then it'll hopefully make a huge difference. And that's kind of really all I want, but um, the business plan part of it is done, and now I'm just trying to, you know, network and set up meetings and trying to get, you know, funding and investors and all that fun stuff. Um, but I'm going to keep, you know, putting information out there, going to keep advocating, um, going to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully try and check off some of these big, big goals I have, um, while trying to kind of maintain, you know, a work life and a social life and just taking it one day at a time is really all I can do. Um, but hopefully we'll get somewhere soon. Sweet. Yeah. That sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, again, I know you've mentioned your um, social media information, but um, run past run through that one more time and then if you have a website as well that people can reach out to yeah yeah. so um the twitter handle and the instagram handle are the same so it's at we talks mh um my personal um instagram and twitter handles are at i'm karen romero um we have a facebook page which is you know facebook.com slash we talk mh um, and then I have a YouTube channel, um, which is We Talk MH, and I have an email. I don't have a website yet because I am not very 
technologically advanced in terms of developing that. Um, but mm-hmm. hopefully going to be getting one up and running soon. Um, but I do have an email address, which is wetalkmh at gmail.com, which people can email me at any point in time, ask questions if they have any, you know, requests for YouTube videos that they would like to see me, you know, answer specific questions on the channel um, and do a video about them. That's something that I'm more than happy to do. Um, and I just double checked and I am subscribed to your channel. So Yay. Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, we uh we gotta about wrap things up here, which sucks because we've been enjoying talking to you, Karen. But um you know, thank you so much for being with us today and uh stay on the line. Uh we're going to end the show with the song for you from Brandon Stansel. Have a great weekend, everybody. And happy birthday to my baby. When I begin to turn in the quick, then I can't run. It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be alright. I push and pull with all my mind, but it feels like it's not enough. It's gonna be alright. You make me feel alright In moments and seasons We're caught in the deep end, yeah I need a hand to hold me Love me like you know me When it's hard, just breathing You keep my heart beating Love looks like falling every day Till I fell for you Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.